Hello, friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for Let's Talk About Jesus right here on our website. And we have told some folks about our website. And if you're tuning in today to get this broadcast, we welcome you. We're so glad that you ask about it. We're so glad that you are seeking uh, to hear something from the Bible that is going to help you to know God better. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, that you will come to know Him, and through Him, come to know just exactly what the Father is like. You know, Jesus said when His disciples said, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. He said, have you been with me all this time and you have not seen the Father? (laughs) Oh, friend of mine, He reveals in flesh where we can begin to comprehend the, the infinite Almighty God, and yet see God as if He were a man when really that's what happened, wasn't it? That's what Christmas was all about, is that God came down, the second person of the Godhead who declared, I and my Father are one. He came down, and He took on flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. Praise God. God incarnate. God in flesh. Praise the Lord. Even on the cross, the scriptures declare to wit, God was in Jesus Christ when Jesus was hanging on that cross. Literally. You used to sing that song, you know, who am I that a king would bleed and die for? Who am I that he would say, not my will thine for. This goes beyond just a great ruler or a great king or a, a great uh, a, a great any ruling person. Uh, this is God, the creator, through his son Jesus Christ becoming God, our sacrifice lamb and savior. This is beyond anything that our minds can fully comprehend and yet it is true god dying for us in order to save us not literally because god is a spirit and he's eternal he can never die but when he took on flesh and sent jesus into this world Amen. He could do that. He did do that. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. In the giving of his son, God gave us himself. And he deserves the the worship that that is due him praise god that's why we're going to be talking about true worship it's so important to god it is so important to us today you know church signs our sign and many other signs uh, we're in between right now meeting at a hotel uh, looking for a new beginning <laughs> here i am after 46 uh, years of ministry and 56 years of marriage uh, here i am looking for a new beginning 
for this ministry, not just to be contained in a building anywhere, but because of the World Wide Web, to be able to continue as long as I have breath and strength, as long as God decides that I I have something to offer in His service. We are excited about a new beginning. Amen. Uh, it's not time for my rocking chair just yet. And thank you, those of you that have written us and, and really encouraged us. Brother Venable got a letter recently that said, Pastor Venable, please don't retire. You're blessing so many people through the ministry on the web. And I'm just thankful for that. And if you're one of those people that is blessed, we'd love to hear from you by letter, by any way that you want to contact us. We would be so happy. Uh, And it's such an encouragement. But if we never hear from you or meet you this side of heaven, I'm convinced that when we get to heaven, there are going to be people that have come to Jesus through this broadcast and have been encouraged to follow Jesus as an upstream Christian in a downstream world in these last days. We want to be that to you today and be a blessing to you. So I pray that you will be blessed by this this uh, series of teachings on true worship and true worshipers, therefore. Signs all over the world uh, will announce a worship service on Sunday morning. When we get through with this teaching, we will discover whether or not this is worship that God will accept or something man-made, man-offered, more to do with what satisfies us than what satisfies God. And so I made a little quote uh, years ago about this particular subject, and I want to quote it to you right now. Finding spiritual fulfillment while fulfilling God's requirement for authentic worship. I want to say that again. Finding true spiritual fulfillment while fulfilling God's requirement for authentic or true worship. And I'm going to read from that that uh, uh, story in John's Gospel, chapter 4, of the woman at the well that encountered Jesus and her life was so changed. We're going to pick up that narrative in John's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 19, down through verse 24. And it said, The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Now, before this is over, uh, he's going to declare himself to be the Messiah to her. But she initially said, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers, this Syrophoenician woman, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me. The hour cometh when ye shall neither worship in this mountain, nor yet at Jerusalem. You will not worship me in this mountain, nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, in verse 22, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father, in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. 
God is a spirit, and they that worship him must. See, this is an imperative for true worship. Listen to it carefully. They must worship him in spirit and in truth. Someone has said, and I like this, there's something in us, something spiritual, something innate, something God created you with, which cries out to worship the Creator. The world will pervert it if it can. You know, in the book of Romans, it it said that when they knew God, they would not worship Him as God, but they worshiped and served creature more than Creator. And oh, a friend of mine, we're in a, a day and an hour when what is called worship in many circles is not worship at all. It's entertainment. It may be Christian entertainment. It has a place, but it can't take the place of the worship that God is looking for and that God requires. Okay, the world will pervert it if it can, and it has. I want to bring you back to Romans chapter 1, verse 18, somewhere in that area. And it speaks about when they knew God, they would not worship Him as God. You see, but they did worship. They worshiped creature more than creator. They may not know that it is worship. You know, I remember John Lennon saying when so many crowds would come and there was such uh, such just chaotic uh, crowds of people, just young ladies swooning when the Beatles came over here. And he said that we are more popular than Jesus. Well, he was wrong about that. Uh, he was very wrong about that. There's still more people following Jesus even in that day than followed them. But the the desire to worship is something that is indeed innate. It is in you and it is in me. And the world will pervert it if it can. That's why it's so important that we don't let the world influence our worship services. And now I know there's people already beginning to say, what's he going to say next? Well, I'm just saying that we need to keep worship pure because it's for God. It is not vertical. Uh, I mean, it is not horizontal. We're not singing to the congregation, and they're not singing uh, just to sing along with the worship leader or the choir. We are, we are singing to the Lord, and we're singing before the Lord. Listen carefully. The world will pervert it if it can, but the void of our heart will never be filled until we become true worshipers. This is my desire today, dear friend. I want to be a true worshiper. I want to move out of my selfish awareness of my wants and my felt needs into the spiritual realm of God's presence. I want to worship Him, and I want to be changed by that experience. You see, true worship liberates us, and it changes us. True worship brings us closer to the one whose image we bear. In worship, we consecrate the floor beneath our feet, and it surely will become holy ground. You know why? Because the Scripture declares God inhabits 
the praises of his people in the old covenant. (laughs) And if he inhabits our praises, he is manifesting his presence where true worship occurs. And the scripture is very clear in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there is pleasure forevermore more. Praise God. This is not for the flesh. This is not for our pleasure. It's to please Him. But when we worship Him in spirit and truth, (laughs) we please God and we get lifted up in His presence. Hallelujah. Praise God. In worship, truth becomes a person and lives in our heart, setting us free from the loneliness and the search for significance. Years and years ago, Brad Pitt did an interview. One of the most popular leading actors of our day is Brad Pitt. And, and well, my day goes back beyond before Brad Pitt. But if you're in the newer uh, millennial generation, he would be one of those outstanding actors for his looks and for his abilities and and for staying in shape and aging gracefully. I'm going to tell you, you know, he was he was so honest and forthright in that interview with Rolling Stone magazine. And I've got a quote from that, and I don't have it before me, but I'll give you the essence of it, and you could look it up sometime if you can find it. But he was being interviewed, and he said to the person interviewing him, people think that I have it, ma- I have it made. I don't even know what it is. And went on to say, speaking about uh, di- uh, different things that he had tried and looking for in this quest for purpose and significance and the existential this and that. And, and when all was said and done to boil it all down, he's saying what a lot of the music is saying. You too is, a, is a getting older. <laughs> They're aging like the rest of us. But they were a significant group and they 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 sang that song that became such a hit. I've been here, I've been there, I've done this, I've done that, and I still haven't found what I'm looking for. The Rolling Stones, uh, way before them in their very beginning, the rock group, sung the song, I Can't Get No satisfaction. These are by rich and famous people. Jimi Hendrix, in one of his his uh, his very, I believe, more honest lyrics to a song, he said, no sun coming through my window. Feel like I'm living at the bottom of a grave. No sun coming through my window. Feel like I'm living at the bottom of a grave. Won't somebody rescue me? I don't live today and the chorus was i driven by his guitar and the drums i don't live today maybe tomorrow i just can't say and then the name of the song was what manic depression a frustrated mess these are rich famous people that others adulated and emulate wanted to emulate and yet Their honest lyrics are saying, 
I haven't found it. Brad Pitt is on record as saying that they think I have it made because of the fame and the riches. I don't even know what it is. And friend of mine, it's so important that we do know. And it's not just a nid, it's a person, a king who brought us a kingdom where we find what we've always been looking for. The woman at the well had had five husbands and was living with a man, had given up on a lasting relationship. And Jesus said, if you drink of this water, you're going to thirst again. You'll always be coming back to this well. He was using it as an analogy. He wanted her to understand that he had what she was looking for. In every failed relationship, she kept looking and never found it. And Jesus said, if you knew who it was, what was speech, who asked for a drink of water, and by the way, she was astounded if you read, beginning with verse 4 in John's Gospel, chapter 4 rather, if you begin reading that, that scenario, you're going to find out she just come to get her some water, and she saw a Jewish man, clearly a Jewish man, uh, just sitting there, and he said, woman, give me to drink. And she was happy to draw him water, but you know something? She was astounded that he would even speak to her, that he would, he, because of the religious chasm that was created, <laughs> she, 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 she could not believe that he was speaking to her. And then when she gave him to drink in the shade of Jacob's well, he said, if you drink of this water, you will thirst again. But if you knew who it was that asked you to give me to drink, you would ask of me, and I would give you living water, and you would never thirst again. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm so glad. I'm glad to be a more, more honored, privileged, and happy to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Gospel is simply good news. Hallelujah. Praise God. We used to sing the old camp meeting song, the good old gospel ship. <laughs> Amen. And it says, I've got good news to bring. I've got good news to share. My joy with you I'll share. Praise God. This is a good news gospel. And the good news is not only can you find what you're looking for, hallelujah, the fulfillment and the purpose that you need to find in your life that money can't buy, that all kinds of sinful experiences in your flesh can never satisfy. Billy Graham said it well. He quoted someone else, but, but he made this quote and brought it forward, made it famous. There's a God-shaped hole in every man, woman, boy, and girl, and it is so huge that nothing can fill it except God himself. But thank God, God will come to live in you. God will come to live in me. Christ will come to live in us. Praise God. And we will find what we and the whole world is looking for. But we need to represent that to the world and let them know what Jesus can do in worship and true worship as Christians Truth becomes a person and lives in our heart, setting us free from the loneliness and the emptiness and the search 
for significance. As Christians, we understand the emptiness of the world. We understand that they, that they are in, in a desperate search to find something to fill that void, the God-shaped hole in their heart that cannot be filled with the things of the world. We understand that the lost are suffering from a cosmic loneliness. We can explain their emptiness, but what about the prevailing emptiness which haunts so many churches? When we look at so many churches where programs have substituted for praise and works have substituted for worship, we see what we see in churches trying to do what the world is doing. We see churches trying to fill a God-shaped void with world-shaped ideas. And the church, the people who are flocking to religious services every Sunday, they, in that kind of situation, are empty because they've forgotten or never even knew what true worship really is. That's why this teaching from the Scripture and these words of Christ are so very, very important. That is what was going on during the life of Jesus. The Jews insisted that theirs was true worship because they worshipped at the temple on Mount Zion. The Samaritans, and this was a, a, a Samaritan woman, the Samaritans declared that the Jews were worshipping in the wrong place. Therefore, their worship was false. Instead, the Samaritans insisted that the true place of worship was on Mount Gerizim, where they had built their own temple. The Samaritan woman here, I said, Sire of Phoenician, this is Samaria, Samaritan. They had a life-changing encounter. This woman had a life-changing encounter with Jesus at Jacob's well. She had found what she was looking for. Amen. He had given her living water. Her sins were forgiven. Her guilt was gone. Now her heart, that was overflowing with love and gratitude, sought to worship this wonderful God acceptably. She wanted to worship God acceptably. Where and how can I worship Him and please Him and bless Him for blessing me? like he has, and forgiving me, like he has. Amen. She was so convincing that when she went back to her, her community, they came in droves to hear him teach at Jacob's well. Hallelujah. Amen. And they said, woman, we believe because of thy saying, because she was so convincing. But now we've heard him for ourselves. And we know this is the Christ. This is the Messiah. This is the Son of the living God. Hallelujah. Oh, friend, I want to make a statement today. All across America, all across the world, there are signs that says worship service, morning worship, evening worship, Wednesday night worship. A lot of times it's Wednesday night Bible study, but Sunday in particular, the most popular and the most frequented service of the church. It's called a worship service. We need to clearly understand what real worship is all about. 
Now, I want to make a statement real quick here. True worship is exclusive. It is for God and God alone. Therefore, it is not, if you're in a choir singing, it is not singing for the applause of the congregation. It's not singing. Uh, for for the for the, the 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 horizontal out toward the congregation or and then if you're sitting in the congregation and you're just responding to them singing to you and you're singing along and you may have an emotional good feeling about it this is not for our emotions although i get very emotional when i worship but i'm not worshiping to titillate my own emotions Someone said it well, and I'm going to quote them because I love the quote that true worship is conspicuous for the absence of self. It's not for me. It's not for you. It's for God. But the good news is that when we lift him up, we get lifted up. When we become true worshipers, he he inhabits the praises of his people. And if it's from the heart, not just from the mouth alone, hallelujah, praise God. If it's acceptable worship unto the Lord, he's going to manifest his presence. And in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And at his right hand, you see, we fulfill God's demand for true worship <laughs> and we are blessed because we are selfless and we get blessed ourselves <laughs> because we are selfless in that worship experience i like first peter 2 and verse 5 it says ye also as lively or living stones are built up speaking of christians here are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual... See, it's up. It's not horizontal. It's vertical. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. I want to stop here and say that everything that churches do on Sunday morning is not necessarily acceptable to God. Why? Because of what God said in the old covenant when he was choosing him a new king. <laughs> and David was being anointed and he didn't look kingly to the prophet that was pouring the oil over his head. And God told him, man looks where you've been looking at the outward appearance. God looks upon the heart. Hallelujah. This is not to impress people with all our pomp and ceremony or all of our, our, our programs and all of our presentations. This is for God. Ye also as living stones are built up into a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible said we're literally to become a true worshiper. Romans chapter 12, verse, begin reading. It's, it says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you offer your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, 
which is your reasonable service. One translation translates that, which is your true spiritual worship. Praise God. Amen. Hebrews 13 and verse 15. It says, By Him, that is Christ, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. We used to sing it, didn't we? We bring the sacrifice of praise. Hallelujah. As a holy priesthood, we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of our Lord. Hallelujah. And we offer unto you sacrifices of thanksgiving. <laughs> Amen. See, this is holy. This is exclusive. This is for God and God alone. Everyone is pre-programmed to worship something. And God is telling you who and how to worship. Hallelujah. And you can't really worship him, friend, until you re re respond to his call to salvation through his Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, but the day that you do, the day that you do, you become a priest spiritually. <laughs> not, not just an old sinner saved by grace. You've been, that, that's, that's behind you. You were an old sinner. You have been saved by grace. But now, now you are the sons and daughters of God Himself. Praise God. And we are kings and priests according to the book of Revelation. We're a holy priesthood according to the New Testament. Hallelujah. We are not only qualified to offer spiritual sacrifices unto God through our praise and worship. Amen. We, we are expected to do that. We need to understand what God is requiring and what God is desiring. And not just do it because He demands it, but do it because He deserves it. Praise God, because He is worthy. He is worthy, not of our leftovers, but He's worthy of our best. He's worthy of all we are and all we have, of offering our body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And then when we worship, oh, friend, we're the temple. We're the house that God is building up. We're a spiritual house, all of us, a holy priesthood, all of us. And we offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, the road your own will lead to eternal destruction. God wants you to turn around right now, right where you are, right in this holy moment, and turn from the enemy, and turn from sin, and come to Jesus, and run to Jesus. Hallelujah. Turn around today. That's what repentance is. It's it's a 180-degree turn. You're headed south, you turn north. You're headed north, you turn south. 
you get off the road to destruction and you get on the king's highway and then you can become a true worshiper of the true and the living God. Hallelujah. We can practice down here for what we're going to do for eternity up there. Come to Christ today. Come to Jesus. Repent of your sin. Receive Him as your Savior. And come back next week. And let's talk about Jesus. Jesus.